Welcome to Delta, the podcast that dives into the heart of healthcare innovation. Each episode, we bring you insightful conversations with people who are at the forefront of the industry, researchers, policymakers, and startup founders. Join us as we explore the challenges, triumphs, and breakthroughs that are driving a significant change for a Delta in the healthcare system. Today's episode is brought to you by Supportful. Are you looking to grow your team and hire engineers? Look no further. Supportful is a company specializing in connecting you with the right people with the right skills. Whether you are building a web application or a mobile app, Supportful can help. They specialize in offering high-quality remote talent and have established successful partnerships with companies in the US, Europe, and Singapore. Additionally, Supportful addresses the brain drain in Lebanon, aiming to retain young, skilled professionals in the country by promoting remote work opportunities. Physicians spend quite some time of their training in residency or fellowship, which are considered the busiest years of their life. However, managing their schedule efficiently can be a logistic nightmare. Ensuring that residents are assigned to the right night shift, taking into account their preferences, clinical requirements, and the need for fair distribution, it's not just a matter of convenience, it's a matter of patient care and resident well-being. Furthermore, in many programs, residence scheduling is one of the administrative tasks of chief residents which could add up to their clinical duties, another task that has no benefit for their own professional growth. This is where Mesh AI steps in. Dr. Yousefi and his team have recognized the critical importance of streamlined resident scheduling in healthcare institutions. Mesh AI groundbreaking platform is designed to alleviate the burdens associated with this process, reducing staff scheduling time by a remarkable 80% and eliminating the pain and the frustration that often accompany scheduling challenges. By optimizing schedules with mathematical precision, Mesh AI ensures that residents can focus on what truly matters, delivering high-quality patient care and advancing medical knowledge. Today, we explore how Mesh AI transformative technology is not only revolutionizing healthcare staff scheduling, but also enhancing the overall healthcare experience for both residents and patients. And our host today is the CEO of Mesh AI, Dr. Yousefi. All right, then welcome again. Thank you so much for being here today. It's a pleasure, Ruben, an absolute pleasure to speak with you today about our journey. I'm very excited to have you. It's uh, it, it really touched upon one of the most important things that I experienced during residency, which we're going to talk about more in details. But without further ado, I want to hear from you. So can you provide our listeners and provide me with an introduction to Mesh AI? How did the journey of Mesh AI begin? And what inspired you to start this platform? Thanks, Rupin. I think that's a very good question. I'd love to start there because that's really uh, the core of our why. Um, you know, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a faculty member in Canada. I've been a professor at Queen's for about 20 years and uh, not from within healthcare. I, my area of research is algorithms. I work on mathematical um, aspects of telecom. You know, that's what I did uh, until a number of years ago where I had... Uh, a near near fatal um, um, incident in healthcare. Uh, so today, nothing that I hide from people anymore. I'm dealing with DVT, deep vein thrombosis. I'm prone to blood clots. So we discovered that back in the day. 
And essentially, uh, my uh, a near fatal story uh, has to do with fatigue, which has to do with errors on scheduling with uh, spreadsheet, manual scheduling of a staff. So like many things in life, Rupen, you know, sometimes you need an impetus, uh, sometimes an incident, an accident, randomness to begin something, but it takes a lot more than that to, to go for another 10 years, right, to continue. So for us, that was really the starting point. And uh, very soon I started reading and learning about healthcare. And then uh, the data that I collected, what I learned through that journey is the thing that keeps me and the team going forward. It's no longer personal anymore. This is about really what we've learned in healthcare um, as we think the number one challenge of healthcare today. So that's our story. Yeah, I can't agree more. I think one of the common themes that I've noticed around um, lots of uh, founders in the health tech space is having a personal story. Someone from the family experienced um, an issue or a problem or a disease or a pathology uh, and that's what triggered them. And I think that's what healthcare needs. Healthcare needs doers, uh, people who see a problem and work on it. Um, I want to deep dive more into the name of Mesh AI. Uh, it suggests collaboration between AI, or the name suggests uh, collaboration uh, between AI and systems. Can, can you tell me more um, the, about the significance and inspiration behind the name? Absolutely. It's sort of a double meaning. Uh, uh, M-E-S-H is the four acronyms of four scientists and engineers, co-founders uh, uh, of the company, where this began as an experiment or activity at Queen's University uh, almost a decade ago. Uh, so that's that. But the second part of that that has to do with what we wanted to do is that we, with our initial studying of the problem, you know, going deeper in clinician scheduling uh, at the time uh, to understand why um, the thing that had happened to me had happened and, and understand what's really the state of healthcare uh, clinician scheduling or staff scheduling. We learned that there's a bis, big disconnect Rupin, between, between the frontline workers and the management and the leadership. That could be a residency program, potential disconnect between the program director, program administrators and the residents possibly the chiefs. Um, and then you go higher level, you know, at a, at a level of a healthcare network hospital, again, a disconnect between the leadership, the C-suite and, and physicians and nurses and fellows and residents that are actually running the system, dealing with patients on a daily basis. So uh, the idea of mesh AI is really the idea of meshing all of these people, these stakeholders, key players of healthcare systems together. The, the leadership matter, as we all know, significantly. Uh, they set the culture, the direction for, for the, the entire uh, uh, organization, but the actual time spent with physician, uh, with patients is really what our physicians and nurses and fellows and residents are, are doing. So we wanted to really mesh all of that together. And, and this is really the thing that led later on to us really creating a new category in clinician scheduling called collaborative scheduling. The idea is having everybody on the same page or on the same network. Roger. Let's say I'm a program director and um, I heard about Mesh AI. Can you explain to me in simple terms, uh, what is Mesh AI, what does it do, and how can I implement it in my program? Very, very simple, uh, Rupen. When we were doing our conversations at the beginning about uh, scheduling, 
couple of things you learned. First of all, the scheduling is probably the most non-standard thing and not patient scheduling, not OR rooms scheduling, equipment scheduling, clinician scheduling, uh, provider scheduling is in fact the most non-standard thing that happens in healthcare today in Canada and the US. Uh, you could go to a hospital and two, two units side by side that are very, very similar to each other can have nothing in common when it comes to scheduling of, the, of their staff. It's completely something that is left to groups to decide locally. They even choose their own software and methodology. And that's why you go to a hospital, medium-sized hospital, and you have 20 different scheduling products being used at the same time. So you can think about all the challenges there. So we learned through the conversations there that you need to have a system that has three foundations. One, it asks clinicians what they need. That's foundational. Healthcare is human-centered, and we have to start by taking care of our own humans, our providers. So ask them what they need. The second part of that is now, now that we figured that out, you're probably looking at a very, very challenging scheduling problem. If there are um, you know, leadership in healthcare sitting, listening to this, um, they're probably thinking, oh my God, I have a hard time managing the vacation requests. How can I ask them whatever they want? And this is the whole thing. We believe that you can have the cake and eat it too. And I can talk about that later. The second part is having a powerful engine, mathematical algorithm that can grab all of that for any size team and then generate the schedules that are fair, transparent, and compliant that meet the requirements of residency program, you know, uh, payroll, ACGME, wherever the location might be, and also local continuity of care, clinical needs of that unit. It's a very, very tough mathematical problem. That's our moat really, one of our competitive advantages that we have had 20 years of research in a very a different but similar area of algorithms that we brought into this space. And the third part of that is that life doesn't happen on a schedule. You generate a schedule, you push it out, things happen from the pandemics to accidents, COVID positivity, um, where you need to cancel last minute or even weeks before because of a conference. You need to pull somebody out, pull somebody back in there. How can you do that again to keep, as you maintain fairness, transparency, and compliance? So that's the third component. So Mesh AI is really a system that is that is giving these three modules, if I may, to uh, people in healthcare in a very customizable fashion. Yeah, I just want to add one thing here. People underestimate scheduling until they are in residency. No one knows as a resident, like, one extra, one extra, I, I emphasize that, one extra call shift per month, it will make or break your month, literally, because like it will affect your sleep. So I can share my experience. Uh, so lots of uh, programs when it comes to scheduling their residents and people who work there, it's just like an Excel sheet. We bring a couple of humans, whether they are chiefs of the program or whether they, admi they are administrative uh, people, we pay them like 40, 50, $60,000 and we ask them to schedule different residents on different call schedule. And eventually who is doing this in the current state is a human being who is prone to mistakes, who is prone to uh, error and cannot remember how many calls X individual or Y individual has already done during the past six months or what X individual has done in the last month. If I'm a resident who is working in an ICU rotation, which is intensive care unit, which is very, very hard rotation, and then I switch to internal medicine rotation, and let's say I have the two last weekends I'm working on the intensive care unit, 
And the first two weekends, for those who don't know, residents work two weekends out of four weekends. That's what we do in medicine. So if I'm working the last two weekends in critical care and the first two weekends in internal medicine rotation, and this rotation is back to back, so I will have a full month working nonstop without even a day off. And that's brutal. I've been through that. I had weekends where I worked three weekends back to back. And it's it's very hard. Like you need a system to schedule people in a fair way. And you need a system also, you brought up the point of COVID. And I don't think we are immune from another out of, hopefully it doesn't happen, but in case things happen in the future, hopefully not COVID again, but like you need to have a system in place where we can schedule different people into different rotation in a fair way, respecting human nature which is something we forget when once we are in the healthcare we just like assume that as physician we don't stop we work 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 we bring work home and we just continue mm-hmm. anyways so yeah. as the ceo of mesh ai what is your vision for the platforms of future are there any specific areas within healthcare that you see that mesh ai is making a significant difference in the future absolutely so for us, um, it really comes down through uh, our initial studies and really five years of being in the market with the product that you see today as a SaaS solution or cloud solution. It comes to really five areas. Um, if you want to do call scheduling really well, we're known right now from coast to coast in Canada and U.S. as a call scheduler that provides what we call STARS, really S-T-A-R-S, uh, scheduling, collaborative scheduling. The S, the first S is really square, the fairness, and the fairness that is transparent. That's the T that comes after. So it's we we truly believe that you know fairness doesn't doesn't really matter unless everybody sees it, right? If you have uh, the people ones and twos, right, Rupin, that believe their schedule, the calls are not really fair, uh, then it really doesn't matter. It doesn't have the impact that you would hope to get through your investment into a platform where you can get rid of the uh, friction, uh, animosity that might exist among uh, among staff. In fact, we have data that shows when Michelle launches, we improve relationship among uh, colleagues, yeah, be it a residency program, a physician group, or the entire hospital, you know, hospital staff that migrate to Michelle. So uh, the other the other ones adaptable. Uh, really making sure that because, as I just said a few minutes ago, and and, and Rupin, I'm sure you've seen this, that is scheduling, you know, even when you rotation, you do your rotations at residence, you go from program to program or or specialty to specialty, things are done differently, right? The rules, uh, creation rules might be different, but, you know, the program directors, administrators, and chiefs make, make decisions, uh, you know, when you look at the history, legacy of that group that really determine the future of a scheduling and then make it different from other units, make it unique. So we need systems that are adaptable. And, and as a result, you can manage various workflows. Again, we're swat, um, I should say Mesh AI is quite unique in terms of uh, how adaptable it is to, to give you the workflow that you have rather than having you to, to change uh, your scheduling right now. And, the, and the, the, the RNS at the end of a stars is really reputable and seamless. We are really known as a product that is is going to be behind you as a partner. Uh, we typically don't think of ourselves, and it sounds like marketing, but I, you know, I, I really, really uh, emphasize this aspect that we don't want to be a vendor. We would like to be a partner in the scheduling, and this is really the way the entire clinician success team at Meshi is structured. We're there to support, no matter what it takes. And and in in one of the things that team measures, our clinician success team measures 
is that as we go through exact customization and uh, setup of Mesh AI for any, un any team that is unique, as we just uh, covered, uh, that we do that with minimal involvement from people like yourselves, uh, Rupin, and P PDs and PAs and the C-suite directors who are typically physicians, very valuable, stretched, stretched super thin staff in healthcare. We would like to make sure that this is done with minimum number of minutes of their time. And we've spent quite a bit of time in the past six, seven years um, devising, inventing technology and processes that minimize the involvement. So we go from a demo, this were a demo of Mesh AI to a full launch in three to four weeks. I think the fact that we can afford that, it really uh, is, a, is a testament to the, uh, to the uh, significance of this for us over the years and, and how we do that. So the way we see the future, Rupin, is that really being able to provide a 360 solution. We don't want to move into any other area. We're gonna be focused on healthcare. Every so often, Rupin, I, I, I have to cancel, or the team has to cancel a demo coming from outside healthcare. Unfortunately, we can't, even though the problem is the same problem, no matter if you're looking at the restaurant or manufacturing, we don't do that. We're really committed to healthcare and, our, and to our clinicians. And we would like to grow vertically to be the, the solution when it comes to calls, ORs, clinics. And as we speak right now, also we're building block scheduling components to automate that top level residency program scheduling that is primarily done by hand as well uh, from coast to coast. So that's really where we want to be in the future. That's so sweet. Uh, I just also wanna add uh, my input about one point that Meshe I showed that it improved relationships and between like residents or co-workers which is very important again i'm explaining this for people who don't know um, usually the person who schedule residents or physician usually they are not that likable person because like as a resident when you are scheduled on a different calls or five or six calls you can always oh why did he schedule me on five calls why did he schedule me on six calls why this resident have x amount of calls why i have y amount of calls and that's where we need an AI solution. We need a solution to make this scheduling and a machine problem, not a human problem. And as a human beings, when you go to a training program or we go to a hospital to learn or to go to university or medical school, we're going there to learn how to interact with patients and we are learning how to treat diseases. There are some administrative things that we have to tackle. There are some research things that we have to learn. But I don't think that learning how to schedule people, putting them on an Excel sheet would bring any value to physicians' um, learning career. Makes sense. Makes sense. And it's so yeah. sad. It's such a hard work, Rupin. And then these people are not appreciated. And uh, yeah, uh, generally speaking, judged and um, and uh, accused of favoritism and things like that while they're doing their best to do a very, very challenging work by hand. I, I know, I remember, like I talked to, I, I heard from many of my friends, that was one of the reasons that I didn't become a chief because I didn't want to do scheduling. Uh, well, I heard one of, from one of the chiefs, my friends, not in my program, a different program, that they would get random messages from people on a different rotation, resident on different rotation. Why did you schedule me this amount of call? Why did you schedule me that amount of call? So it's very emotionally intense and you never know unless you are doing it. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. So I, I want to dive a bit about your background and your strategies on team building. Uh, you have a background in healthcare. You have a PhD. Um, but 
sorry, I, I mean, you have a PhD, you have a background in science, uh, yeah. and you have a background in electrical engineering and academia. Yeah. How has your academic experience influenced your approach to entrepreneurship? You had a stable job. Why did you do this? And why did you develop Mesh AI? And how has been the transition from stable academic job to the lifestyle of entrepreneurship? Lucan, it's a, it's, a, it's a very good question. Um, uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, I am an outsider from healthcare. And one of the things I learned very early on is that uh, the challenge with healthcare, the fact that there is no shortage of innovation, but there is resistance to adopting innovation in certain areas is something that is completely understandable. You know, people can go and talk about healthcare and say, you know, people in healthcare are still using a fax machine or they're resistant to change. But if you actually put yourself in their place, these are people that are playing with people's lives. Like there's what else, what more important thing can you imagine? Like profession on the planet, honorable and more challenging than playing with your loved ones lives with your own life. So this is important. So the fact that people in healthcare are very careful uh, in adopting technology completely made sense to me. So I, I don't come from that angle at all. So, um, so one of the things I had to learn is that if I want to do this, I don't want to be another engineer building a product and shoving it down and then expecting people to adopt and come to it. You build it and they come. That's not the case, as we know, in entrepreneurship, and it's particularly not the case in healthcare. So that's why, you know, from early on, I, I realized that I have to educate myself about healthcare. That I started by reading as I was bedridden, dealing with, with my medical condition. Uh, my bedtime stories were in, all in healthcare from strategy and policy in Canada, why healthcare, universal healthcare system in Canada is the way it is today, all the way, all the way to systems like the one in UK, Scan Scandinavian countries and other places that have better performance overall. And so, um, so I had to learn it. But the parts that really helped me get there quickly was the fact that as an academic for the past 20 years, I would, I, you know, I always say to people, if you are coming from a research intensive university and be doing grant applications, you're basically an entrepreneur because there are great parallels. Uh, for every grant application, you find a problem. The problem has to be big enough. You got to get uh, grants, write the grant, get a bunch of people excited to give you the money. Then you have to hire, you have to equip your lab, then you got to build and deliver. Now, having said that, you deliver papers, you know, it doesn't have to lead necessarily to a product and you know, that changes the game quite, quite substantially. But the process overall is not that different. So I think a lot of academics are serial entrepreneurs and they don't even know that. You just have to change your objective, right? Your cost function is different. You got to make sure there's a product and people pay for it. There's got to be product market channel fit at some point that you might not need as much for a five-year grant from NSERC or CIHR. Uh, but so those things really helped me, but I really had to make sure that I complement myself with the other stuff specifically for healthcare. And the other thing that, so those are all the good things, positive things that help. The one that doesn't help is that we as academics, and I think you, you understand it because you do a substantial amount of research, Rupen, and you're, you're doing clinical work. As academics, we're taught to be perfectionists, at least my era for the past 20 years. And that is the biggest killer of entrepreneurship. You just cannot be perfect. So you have to understand design imperfection, controlled imperfection, and then work through a series of iterations to get a product out, get feedback on it. And this is not only the product development aspect of it, but also the business development aspects that they cannot be perfect. And you just have to work 
towards incremental improvement and 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 lean methodologies and uh, growth growth mind, mindsets. Those are things that are now common. Everybody, these are buzzwords that people talk about. But I had to learn those, and you know, those are some of the things that I keep talking about with people, with younger entrepreneurs. That you, if you're coming from academia, it's one thing you got to get rid of is perfectionism. Yeah, I can't agree more. I I think we just like the, the the simplest thing is writing a research paper. You cannot submit it. You can't tell people about the results until it's very, very, very perfect. No errors, nothing, and that that doesn't work in. Um, Entrepreneurship, and I think you brought up very simple and sweet um, analogy that our academics are serial entrepreneurs, but the product is different. And I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. Uh, you mentioned about hiring people to your, uh, in, whether you are writing grants or whether you are uh, developing a product. Uh, what strategies you look for when you hire? team members what advice would you give let's say there is a an academic person right now listening to this podcast and what advice would you tell him when they want to build a team to uh, or hire people to to develop a product absolutely uh, so that's a, that's an important and, and and key area because as you keep hearing from investors and possibly uh, dusty entrepreneurs that are getting up to start the, the next big thing after a failure is that the most important thing for success is your team, right? So I love the fact that you put your finger on it. So we have developed very, very good methodology, actually very systematic about hiring and who we work with. Um, we call it the agile care is our own system. The word care connects to healthcare as well, which is really nice. And it comes to a bunch of things. We actually go out there and specifically and systematically um, use a scorecard for each individual hire that touches on adaptability and flexibility of that individual. That's the A of agile care. Then we go to growth mindset, integrity and honesty. Uh, they need to be lean operator and resourceful. That's again, one of the requirements of any startup, uh, especially for us because we never raised and we grew this company with basically support and our number one investors are, are our customers. Uh, so I'm really proud of that. Obviously, you know, not, not for everybody, but I'm so proud that we could build and learn and grow with our customers. And then empathic communicator. Communication is so important for us, you know, that qualifier being an empathic communicator in interaction internally and externally with our uh, clinicians. Uh, being clinician focused and caring, you know, we want to hire people that are really, really understanding. Our philosophy is that you got to start at home. We're here to take care of our clinicians. If you want to give tools to people in healthcare who really see value in providing better environment for staff, and they they truly believe that it is with that that you can achieve patient outcomes, reduce costs, improve access. So that's again something that we actually systematically check in people that we bring on board. Altruistic team player, extremely important. This is a boat, we're all in the same boat uh, at Mesh AI and uh, really important for, for everybody who joins us to understand that we're everybody's problem is everybody's problem and um, being responsible and being effective. So agile care is the model that we've been adopting and I really, really uh, swear by it. Oh, wow. Uh, do you do that? Like, do, is there a, a, a type of like, 
questionnaire you make people who are applying to a job in your team to fill or is it something that you discover you try to ask about when you are doing the interview thank you so much for asking no i'm not that smart for sure i had to learn it i've made a ton of mistakes in fact my biggest mistakes are my initial hires uh with a <laughs> and and i'm not saying that being, being derogative or, or uh you know disrespectful and not that these people were bad they were not a good match right and this is my philosophy in life there are not there are no bad people it's always a question of being at the right time and place being a being a good complement to the rest of the team right so i think we started with a team that wasn't cohesive wasn't complementary and fantastic people really strong candidates that could come and actually crush your team and take it take the entire you know uh, uh ship down so um uh, the methodology that we use comes from a book called Who. Uh, I don't know the rest of the tagline, WHO. It's, the book is really focused on methodology tested for about three, four decades in hiring people in areas that you don't understand really well. For example, I'm not a front-end developer, uh, but how do I go about hire front-end developers that are really the best at their job? It's a challenge for a lot of people. So the book gives you mechanisms and structures that are systematic and move you away from you know, subjective decision-making to really objective decision-making that drive results. So that's the framework we adopted, but at the core of that methodology is something called a scorecard that you need to develop right off the bat before you start meeting the candidates. And so we've been very uh, purposeful and careful about that uh, agile care structure that we adopted. Wow, very interesting. What do you think about using personality tests? Is that something that um, you use or you consider? Uh, I think it can be very impactful and helpful, Gupen. There's so many good ones from the Myers to a bunch of newer ones that people have used in business. We haven't used them, but I think it would really help. One of the things I can see is that after we find the person on the team that really meets those you know, seven, eight criteria that we're looking for, uh, a personality test would allow us to really understand how we can work more effectively together. Like if I know somebody is coming from the color blue or red of, you know, this particular uh, personality test is going to really change my expectations in, in, in the response that I would get from them when I have something crazy or innovative versus something that is very rudimentary or basic. Um, there's a, there's an analogy that's used by Kim Scott, the author of uh, Radical Candor in her book, where she says, uh, you know, there are, there are people that are just not a good fit. You got to let them go. Uh, from the good people on your company, you got rock stars and superstars. So it's exactly that. So when it comes to understanding if somebody on the team who's delivering results is a rock star, superstar, which is then going to tell you in what direction you would move them, whether they grow vertically or horizontally in the company, uh, those are the things that I think can really benefit from personality tests, but I'm not very optimistic about using those tests at, at the entry level or basically at your decision-making level for the hiring. I hope you liked this episode. Stay around for more because we are going to explore Dr. Youssef's amazing journey into the health tech world in our next episode.